Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Are we in the building? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Turn me up. Turn me up. Stop playing. Turn me up. No, 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 no. We got to bring it in. We got to bring it in. It's been. Listen. Listen, because th- that's my cat. Go, go on somewhere now. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome back to another edition, another installment, a new episode of the Black Men Win Podcast with your boy, Tyler Paga. We got another one for y'all today. <laughs> Hope everybody's feeling good today. Um, before we get into everything, make sure that you follow the podcast. Wherever you listen to us, follow us on all the social media platforms, uh, underscore BMW pod. That is not the car. Okay, the car company does not have a have, <laughs> they do not have a podcast, but it is underscore BMW pod. All right. On all social media platforms. Listen, I am super excited today for this interview. Ready, ready to really learn, get educated um, from this amazing, amazing brother right here. Uh, minister, educator, speaker, um, international speaker, global speaker. I mean, the list goes on and on as I've been able to learn a little bit more about him. I'm excited for him to be here on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, aunties and uncles, put your hands together. Okay? For the one and only, Mr. Dr. O.J. Shabba! the doctor in the house today what's going on dr shabazz how are you today man i'm all the better for being here today you just lifted my day <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad man i'm glad so first of all before we get into everything uh can you for the audience that you know for us that may not know a little bit can you give us a rundown of um just just give us a brief introduction of who you are and uh what you do well, man, I appreciate it so much. It's been my experience over the last 40 plus years of ministry that people usually don't care about all of this stuff. Nonetheless, uh, my name is O.J. Shabazz. I serve presently as the minister to the Harlem Church of Christ in uh, Harlem, New York City, New York. I've uh, been privileged to serve this, uh, this group of people for 23 years now. Originally from Pontiac, Michigan, a small town outside of Detroit, where I was born and reared. Then kind of gravitated into Memphis, where I spent about 12 years, did my bachelor's in biblical studies and had a, uh, a great, uh, a great uh, experience in ministry in Memphis. Went back home for about six years and then made the, uh, the journey here to New York City. And again, I've been here for about 23 years and um, just excited about what uh, the almighty has been doing in my life. Dr. Shabazz, first of all. It's already a connection there. I, I knew it, but there's already a connection there. Pontiac, <laughs> Michigan. Did yes, not sir. know that. Detroit, yes. 313 but in I, the building. How we, how we feeling? Yeah. Well, we, as you know, we just we just back up eight miles. Yeah, that's, that's it. Y'all just y'all just in the back. Y'all just right there. Oh my God. So okay, now now I'm really excited for this interview. So, Dr. Shabazz, take me through a little bit. Um, during those early years in Pontiac in Michigan, uh, growing up in that town, what, what was it for you that, that made you say ministry is, is my lane. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to give my time, my energy, my effort, all of that too. What, 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 what point in that in your young life during those times and growing up in Michigan, did you say this was it? 
Yes, sir. So in my early formidable years, my father was a very devout Muslim. Mm -hmm. And uh, for many years, he was with the uh, Nation of Islam until about the time that Malcolm X made his uh, holy pilgrimage to Mecca, Medina. And then he kind of uh, converted from the nation to become a Sunni Muslim. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, like all other children, we are what our parents are. Right. You, you know, I mean, well, I wasn't paying any rent, mortgage payment, anything like that. Whatever daddy was, that's what we were. Right. And so I was raised in Islam. However, my mother never converted to Islam. Hmm. And he just believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And that's kind of where mama was. So right. born and reared under the influence of my dad, whom I loved, uh, just my best friend, my mentor, my daddy, mm -hmm. the whole nine yards. And about the time I was working at General Motors Corporation, I met a young man about my age, young family. Like I had a young family. I was really impressed with him. And he was a New Testament Christian. And he challenged me to sit down with the Quran mm -hmm. alongside the Bible. And I began an intense study of the Bible and compared it to the Quran. Long story short, it wasn't long after that that I converted from Islam to New Testament Christianity. There was just so many things that lured me in. I was never happy at General Motors Corporation, made good money, mm -hmm. and uh, was on the fast track, you know, to become, you know, uh, you know, uh, plant manager, superintendent. Right, right, right. The highest paid position at that time. Yeah. Exactly. But I was never happy. And so mm. I took a calling of uh, ministry over my life. And I actually took a leave of absence, educational leave of absence, went mm -hmm. to Memphis, Tennessee, worked on my bachelor's in biblical studies. And only after I graduated, I went back to Pontiac and officially quit my job. Wow. And then started my journey uh in ministry and man god has just done some phenomenal things of which i'm undeserving now wait a minute doctor how long was your leave of absence because you said in the leave of absence you went to go get a degree i did i did and so back then the old general motors you could take an educational leave of absence up to four years there was no pay uh your seniority continued but you got no pay no benefits and during that four-year period at any time with a seven day notice, right? You go back to your job. That's that's how dynamic General Motors was back in. Wow. Well, okay, I got it. Hold on. Four year up to a four year period. No pay, of course, right? No benefits, no pay. But no benefits, but but, the, but that's in your right. That seniority that you have. If you're a plant manager, you're going to be a plant manager when you get back. And you yes, can, sir. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's interesting. And when I graduated and uh, received my first ministry mm -hmm. in Memphis, I got in my car that, that June, drove back to Pontiac, and quit my job. <laughs> wow. And how long did that take you in total? It took you the four years? Actually, it took me a little less than four years. Okay. It was 2,760 clock hours over a period of two years and two summers. Oh, that's not so, bad. No, that's not bad yeah, at all. It was a very accelerated program of right. study, but we weren't allowed to work. Uh, you know, I was financially supported by a number of different churches. Right. Our intense study was focusing on that curriculum. So take me through after you quit General Motors and say, okay, you know what? F fully into ministry 100%. Talk to us a little, about, a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the ebbs and flows that goes into this this lane because 
We don't hear, Dr. Shabazz, a lot of ministers really talk about, and I think they're, they, you know, they're, they're getting a little open now, mm-hmm. but we don't hear a lot of ministers talk about those ebbs and flows and those trials and tribulations that actually are the, the kind of the, the pivotal moments to the success that you're having, right? Yeah. And so can you, can you kind of guide us through some of those moments for you that were kind of the test for you? You know, to kind yeah. of get over those humps. What were some of those 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 trials and tribulations that you were going through early in your career? Well, that's really a dynamic question because much of this history kind of lends to subsequently what goes into my book. Right. So I was about twenty five years old, and I was relatively young. Right. Wow. And when I graduated with my 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 bachelor's in biblical studies, it hit me like a ton of bricks that while I had been proficiently uh, trained in Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, a lot of supporting subjects, you know, uh, Bible geography and, and, and hermeneutics and all the. I knew nothing about managing people. Mm. I, I knew nothing about how to deal with passive aggressive behavior, how to deal with administrative matters like structure, organization. Mm-hmm. That, I knew the Bible, you, you know, but 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 I was I was boots on ground then. I right. The, r- the real life aspects is what you needed to kind of get into your life. system. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it hit me like a ton of bricks that I knew nothing about structure, organization, management of people, how to deal with difficult uh, scenarios, how to deal right. with crisis prevention and all right. that kind of thing. So I started studying everything I could get my hands on in terms of and early on, uh, Brother Hicks, I, I, I was I was kind of focused on uh, I, I was I was focused on professionalism. I wanted to be mm-hmm. professional. Mm-hmm. Dress professionally, talk professionally, do things professionally right. until I studied the Bible long enough to realize it's not professionalism that I should have been in pursuit of. It was excellence, mm. yes, doing right. things excellent. So I went through this learning tree of trial and errors, not to mention that I ended up preaching for a church that was growing too fast. Now, talk, and, now, now hold on, pause. It, it elaborate a little bit on that growing too fast. What do you mean by a church is growing too fast? Cause I hear that a lot, but yeah. I don't necessarily know the meaning. So please educate me on what does it mean by a church growing too fast? So what the black man has to learn in the black church experience very quickly is that this is not about titles. Mm. It's about owls. Because ministry is people serving people. Mm-hmm. And we have such an explosion of growth that the demands mm-hmm. and the need of the people mm-hmm. faster than we were able to deliver. Mm-hmm. And so if you understand the true context of ministry, which is all about people serving people and trying to keep up with the demands of the needs of those people, it is not unusual to end up in a scenario where the demands, the needs of the people far out excel the ability of the leaderships to meet those needs. Absolutely. And so in that context, the church was growing in leaps and bounds. And here I am trying to meet the needs Mm -hmm. of the people. Growing of, of, of the yeah, this people and their needs was far out excelling what I could deliver. Mm. Now, from that, I learned because the worst thing that you can do in any business, and I hate to refer to the church as a business because it it it, it, it it's a spiritual business. Yes, albeit 
business yes is to run it like a mom and pop operation where only mom and pop make the decisions the choices right. do right. You know, all of the important things right so i became an advocate of delegation uh, brother hicks i'm not a guy my style of leadership i'm not interested in being the smartest guy at the table right i don't need i just need to be at the table with smart people amen so in order to meet the demands and the, the quick uh quickly changing demands of people i surround myself with the power of delegation and empowering the purpose of people to get them at the table so that as a team we can meet ministry needs mm-hmm. need people and it was it was a great experience for me because it helped me empower other people absolutely and other people use their giftedness you know as a contribution to the notion of the growth maturity and development of the church and so i stepped away from the mom and pop model put other uh, dynamic people at the table use their gifts their talents their abilities to help me manage all of the demands that's needed in ministry. Let me give you a definition. Mm-hmm. Ministry, people serving people. Uh, Brother Hicks, what you're doing, whether you choose to see it this way or not, is a ministry. Right. You're serving people. Right. You're into illumination. Let me challenge your thinking. Let's open your mind. Let's discuss. Let's talk. Let's right. challenge. Right. Educate. That is your ministry you are serving people absolutely i appreciate that because listen i i try you know what I'm saying? <laughs> i try and and for me it's i'm i'm a forever learner right i think just like you doctor I, i'm a forever learner i try to learn as much as i can to absorb as much as i can especially you know and this is a, a whole nother conversation for a whole new another episode when we have our our history our black history getting literally yes. snatched out of the classroom you understand what i'm saying not just yep. on a on a kindergarten to pre-k to eighth grade level but also going into the high schools and uh colleges as well so um i'm always trying to trying to trying to get not just the history of america you know but the the, the history right. of us and the history of the world and just spiritual history on top of that um take me through a little bit about the time you said, okay, it's time for me to to spread my wings and head out and get out of Michigan. Cause I've I've, I've I don't want to say you've done your job, right? But there there was another chapter to your life that, you know, needed to be open. Mm-hmm. When was that moment for you to say, okay, Michigan, I love you, but it's time for me to go into New York, no less, right? To New York, yeah. no less, Dr. Shabazz. Do you understand the, the, the importance and the power in that? Right? Yeah. Like yeah. that, that is yeah. powerful. You understand what I'm saying? So take me through a little bit about that moment where you said New York was the move. I'm going to make it. And 23 years later, now you're here. Yeah. So, man, an interesting chapter in my life. Uh, when I went back home from Memphis to Pontiac, uh, I had, for lack of a better term, two lives. Mm-hmm. So. I was preaching for the Eastside Church of Christ in Pontiac, but I was also uh, working in patient relations and pastoral care at POH Medical Center. Gotcha. And so I had a, a, a dual life. And then I learned, Brother Hicks, that God has a sense of humor. Yes, he does. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to the Lord in prayer and said, listen, oh. listen, Holy Father, I was preaching in Memphis, second fastest mm. growing 
church in Memphis, Tennessee at that time. I mean, mm -hmm. on Sunday morning, the Memphis Shelby County Police Department had to block Elvis Presley Bullard Boulevard off so wow. the members could get off the parking lot. Wow. You know, it was that kind of, of, of ministry. Uh, and so here I'm in Pontiac, small town, 100,000 people. I'm going, Lord, is it possible that maybe sometime in my life I can have one more major city? Yes. Man, before mm. I looked up and I was in New York City, and I mean, like, oh man, not only did the Lord give me one more major city, He sent me to the major city of all majors. The, the major city, because you already did it in Memphis and Detroit and Pontiac, damn there. Yeah, yeah man, already. I, you you did it already. So where wow. is, where can your message be louder than ever? Yeah, the loudest city of, of in America. It is, and Dr. R.C. Wells decided to retire. He did an international search. He felt that I was probably most conditioned for New York experience. Man, I hate to say this, but there are preachers and then there are New York preachers. Ooh, I, I, you better talk. Don't act. Now, nah, doctor, I ain't hit. I ain't hit. A, I, ain't, <laughs> I am not here, but I'm here for it. Talk to me about it. Talk to me about it. Because I, you know, you, you know me, I'm in it. I see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I got my eyes glued to it. So talk to me a little bit about the difference between yeah, so the two. Oprah Hicks, you know that if if the devil made it, New York has it twice. And we are the city of major distractions. Yes. I mean, there there is more to preoccupy your time in New York City than you will ever find time to do. Yes. And then New Yorkers, I hate to say this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. New Yorkers grapple with entitlement. And the reason why they grapple with entitlement is because they have to fight for everything. They have they to do. fight to get on and off subways. They, they have to yes. fight to get housing. They have to fight, you know, to enjoy privacy. And when they walk down the street, it's like, don't put no handbills in my hand. Yep. You know, the great stuff you can do for me today is leave me alone. <laughs> stay out of space. You do you. Let me do me. Facts. Uh, you know, there is no such thing as the norm in New York City. There is no normal dress. There is no because everybody just does their own thing. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the spiritual message, there are a lot of layers. Yes. You have to dig through to capture the attention of folk. And then their attention spans are very short, man. You're not going to preach no one hour sermon in New York mm. City. There one-hour sermon. If you got something to say, you better put up and shut up because they're in and they're out. They're in and they're out. And that's New York. I mean, right. it's not like the South. It's not like, you know, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida. Right. Where those, like where those two, three-hour sermons can go and you know it's, it's a it's a whole thing. You can't do that here. Yeah, yeah you're going to get your praise on for two, three hours. Not in New York City. Right. If you got, say you got something to do, you would do well to put up and shut up and then New Yorkers, they either in or out. Right. They don't sit on the fence. They either in and out. If they're in, they're in. If they're not, they're not. Don't bother me. I don't want to hear a spiritual message. I don't want to hear about God. I don't want to hear about this, that, and the other. I'm out. Right. I'm out. So it's a different experience uh, in New York City. And then uh, New York City, unbeknownst to a lot of people, is very transient. It is. People come here for Broadway. They come here for musical entertainment. They come yes. here to go to college. They come here to go for careers. The idiom of New York City is if you can make it in your career in New York, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. So people come here for two, three years, get New York City on their resume, and they're out. Right. Or come here young, in their early 20s, early 30s, single people. 
and then they may find a mate and then they end up getting married and they have that first child and they go like, okay, we're out. Career fast track, I'm, I'm cool with that. Right. But now I'm married, I have a child. I don't know if I want to bring rear my child right. in New York City so they're out. So in that sense, uh, for churches, there's often a lot of turnover. Right. Because people are in and out. They'll mean no harm. I've had a, I've had an untold number of people say, Shabazz, I only stayed in New York this long because of this church and because wow. of your ministry. That kept me here, but I got a wife now. I, and man, I got I'm married. I got to get out. Mm-hmm. I got I married 11 young people in about two years. And then they all began to have babies. And they're like, Doc, we love you. We, we got to go. We got to go. Okay. So wow. And that's. You know, preaching in New York is not like preaching in his ministry is not like in, in other. But but listen, man. Uh, so I don't have that story like always oh, been a Christian. Oh, mama was a Christian. Daddy was a Christian. That right. ain't my story. Right. I straight up came in, you know, to Islam, subsequently into the church, out the streets, bro. Right. That's my story. You know, you looking at a at a at a at a. Cocaine tooting, reefer smoking, you know, hang out. And I know the streets well. I was not a devil. I was a devout devil. I was a faithful devil. Mm. <laughs> so, so once I, I, I get it, you know, I, I get into the church, my whole paradigm has changed, but it has helped me to be able to relate to people. For instance, I come out of my building, 127th and Lenox Avenue, by the way, mm-hmm. right next door, right next door to Sylvia Sofa mm-hmm. in the heart of Harlem. I'm going to stand on the corner with the brothers. Right. I'm going to buy them coffee. I'm talking about the wine heads, the pimps, the prostitutes, the junkies. And see, I'm going to talk to them honor and respect. But see, I think, Dr. Sebastian, that right there, that right there. Can I stop you really quick? That the community aspect of it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, The sir. community aspect of it. Twenty plus years you've been doing this and you kind of answered my question, but I kind of want to answer, ask it again over these last 23 years. How have you continuously grown and stabilized your church? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one of those answers is just what you just said. I'm outside. Yeah. And not just being outside. I'm outside with the community. I'm going to be completely and 100% honest. In my generation, in my era right now, I don't see a lot of a lot of ministers doing that. I don't. I don't see a lot of preachers, bishops, however you want to call it. I don't see a lot of church leaders, leaders of the church going outside and being yeah. outside that Dr. Shabazz is the main thing that I feel like if you're going to be a leader of the church, if you're going to be the leader of the church, the main thing that you have to do is be in the community and be outside. Am I wrong? You are absolutely right. I'm going to go back to a premise that I gave you. Ministry is people serving people. And one of the things we've done to the great of the church, the Bible said, go ye. It doesn't say come ye. The Bible said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Right. So we, for a long time, have been very community-minded. Let me give you an, a, a sample. For many years uh, on Christmas Day, and a lot of people don't celebrate Christmas, and I don't want to get into that whole thing. But the, nonetheless, 
we feed the homeless and we get we do what's called winter warmers. Right. Uh, we give socks, hats, scarves, coats, blankets to the homeless. Right. Homeless population. We feed between six hundred and one thousand people. And we ask everybody, come on in, give back, let's serve food because the community needs us Absolutely. In, in that way. You, you know, so people become the regards. Listen, I'm going to tell you something funny, man. You don't want to mess with Shabazz when you come in Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to mess with Shabazz, man, because the brothers out there on the corner ain't going to have it. I, They're not going to have it. They, they they tell the local you know the local uh, traffic cops you know they get ready to put a ticket on my car they go hey that's Rams car don't you put no ticket that's on that's right car. that's <laughs> and let me tell you something my former church shout out to um, New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in uh, Southfield Michigan um, yes sir I love them uh, Pastor David L Roberson Bishop excuse me David L Roberson presides yeah. you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> the, the 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 reason why I loved that church and his leadership so much is because every weekend there was something he was doing for the community, right? Yes, sir. And yes, sir. whether that been food drive, can drive, he wa we washing cars. He come out washing cars. First lady come out washing cars. You're giving food out to the homeless. We going downtown. Like these are things, and he's still doing those things to this day. These are things yes. that, for me, just and and again, this is just me. You have to kind of be outside. You have to be in the community for them, for those brothers, those those Shabazz brothers to sit there and be like, "Hey, don't put that on his car." That's being in the community. You understand yeah. what I'm saying, Doctor? And that that to me serves and makes you a, a an amazing leader because that tells me that your leadership has continued to carry outside the church. Yes. To me, that's one of the most important things as well. Your leadership and your message carrying outside the church. And you have to create, you have to, listen, if we're not careful about our environment, right? Environment will quickly turn into a climate, right? A climate will turn into an atmosphere. Mm. An atmosphere will turn into a culture. Right. And when people judge you, they will judge you based on what they see in their culture. Yep. So in 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 at the level of the environment, this church is for everybody. We have doctors, lawyers, teachers, but we have homeless, junkies, whatever. When you come to the front door of this church, don't tell them you can't come in because you're not dressed properly. Ooh. Everybody, well, everybody. I don't care how he looks. I don't care how he smells. I don't care how he talks. Mm. This is a whosoever will let him come ministry. Absolutely. Brother, that's excellence. That is excellence. That that's excellence. is excellence. Woo! Come on, give me something. There we go. I needed that. There we go. Dr. Shabazz, uh, a few more questions for you. Take me through a little bit about your new book that you just released. Um, this this new book that you're writing or that you have written um already, and the importance of this global speaker that you have, you know, just become and have delivered your message and you know, through the masses, again, outside of the church. You understand what I'm saying? Take yes. me through a little bit about that. Take me through the book 
and um, you becoming a little bit, I guess, still minister, right? Still doctor, but on a more yeah. global level, on a more international level. Take me through a little bit about that. Yeah. So excellence in ministry, a guide to protocol and etiquette for church leaders is really the byproduct of about 42 years of serving. Um, I'm big on mentoring. I am big on uh, on, on development. And for a number of years, people have tried to encourage me to put these best practices in print. You know, I may not have trained as uh, many uh, as others, but I'm right now I have what I call son number 18. Absolutely. Uh, 18th minister, boots on ground, in the trenches, kind of developing and training that works with me. If you were to see me at a national lectureship or at a conference or so forth, you're going to see a small entourage of two, three guys with me. These are young guys mm -hmm. who are coming and I'm trying to pass on to them. So excellence in ministry fundamentally is the byproduct of these best practices designed to strengthen and encourage and illuminate the minds of those that are coming along behind us. Let me quickly give you what I call the excellence paradigm. Mm. Of course, by paradigm, I mean the framework of thinking. Gotcha. So the catalyst of the book kind of espouses the notion that the God of the Bible is the quintessential example of excellence. He is the embodiment of excellence. All he does, all he gives, all he participates in constitutes excellence. Mm -hmm. And we must imitate him. And if you understand the, the, the excellence paradigm, you understand that while fundamentally it, it permeates from a spiritual foundation, right. excellence for the black man has to uh, transcend all areas of life. Right. You want to exercise excellence not only in your spiritual life but in your health in your right. job in your career in your finances in your relationships we are people to be driven by excellence now who should know that better than the black man in america we have always had to go above and beyond to be superior just to be respected and to be acknowledged mm -hmm. because we've had to do more than those of non-color we ought right. to be Familiar with the notion of excellence, what we do, we do above and beyond with superiority that, you know, we want people to have that, oh, wow, right, moment. right. Never heard it done like that. Never heard it said like that. Never seen it like that. So uh, the notion of excellence kind of operates from the foundation. So how do we practice these protocols and etiquettes? By studying this ancient text mm -hmm. called the Bible. And noticing God's patterns, his precepts, his promises, and his principles. Mm -hmm. And then imitate them. Right. Imitate them. Because everything he does, he does with excellence. Right. And so I began to develop. What is a protocol? What you do. Right. What is the etiquette? How you get it done. And go. so what you do and how you get it done, the fuel of it is excellence, man. Whatever I do, I want to do it with unmistakable you, you, you know, above and beyond that, oh, wow, kind of thing. Right. When you leave the Church of Christ in Harlem, I want you to say, wow, you know, uh, hey, they did that. You, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with that. I, I'm, I feel warm. I feel welcome. I want to come back. I want to experience this again kind of thing. So in the book, I deal with 11 different protocols mm -hmm. designed primary ministers, and each protocol is undergirded by three to five etiquettes. In other words, this is what you do. For instance, uh, Brother Hicks, here's a here's a protocol that, that you can relate to, whether it's about the church or not. So a guy's coming into a church behind an icon. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Somebody that's been an internationally known, recognized globe trotter with the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just just a really renowned kind of guy. And so this dude, metaphorically speaking, has big shoes. Right, to feel. Exactly. Here you come, you got little feet. <laughs> so I have a section in my book called Big Shoes, Little Feet. Right. And what I'm saying to all young guys coming along, you don't try to put your little feet in big shoes. You bring your own shoes. And that's it. There you go. You bring your own shoes. I'm not trying to feel nobody's shoes. Brother Hicks, why should you rob the world of the giftedness that God gave you because you're so busy trying to be like another podcast? Mm. Or you trying to be like somebody who has been above and beyond successful at this. No, you rob the world of the manner in which the almighty is going to use you. So you don't try to put your little feet in somebody else's big shoes. That's right. Run your own shoes. That's right. Because <laughs> my shoes is big. Let me tell you that. I'll tell you. That. <laughs> you <heard me. laughs> uh, Dr. Shabazz, this, is, this has been amazing. Um, I got one more question for you. What does black men win mean to you? When you hear the phrase just off the top of the dome, what does that mean to you? It means excellence. And brother, we got to get back to excellence. Amen. Now, I don't want to preach. I'm going to give you this run in about three minutes. I want to say that the greatest misnomer that has happened to the black community is to buy into the notion that the Bible is a white man's book. Mm. At the catalyst and the foundation of the, the life of a black man, he's got to go back to the excellence of family. Yes, sir. The, the excellence of being a provider. And when I say a provider, I don't mean first and foremost financially. Mm. I mean spiritually. If you look at patriarchy in the first dispensation, patriarchy means father rule. Right. Fathers ruled their families, and they did so primarily with the spiritual paradigm. The notion that the Bible is not a black man book tells me you haven't read the, the 10th chapter of the book of Genesis, where there is the table of nations, and the predominance of them are black. When you tell me that the black man doesn't believe in the spirituality taught in the Bible, tells me that you don't realize that Africa is referenced 1,000 times in the Old Testament and Egypt 740 times. That tells me that you don't realize that the eighth chapter of the book of Acts is an Ethiopian eunuch who works for a black woman. She is Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. These are black people. And that tells me that you don't understand that the Bible is, in fact, the blackest book on the planet, even though it has been abused by Caucasians. But there is no document on the planet that has not been abused. The United States Constitution has been abused by Caucasians on and on and on literature and documents have been abused but what I'm saying to you is if a black man wants to win he needs to get back to the foundation of being driven by excellence mm. and spiritual formation the spiritual foundation which he owes his children he owes his woman he owes his community to be spirited by being spirit Chal, and that's something that black men need to win. And, and and on that, we gonna leave it there, Doctor. That was that was it. That was it. That 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 hit because I know that I've been listening, I've been absorbing, 
Y'all know I talk a lot. I've been absorbing the day. I've been getting all the absorption. Dr. Shabazz, I want to say thank you. Um, personally, I'm going to say this here on the podcast. I will be to the Church of Harlem uh, to check you out. Uh, yes, sir. Please, I, I gotta check you out, especially because it's a it's a Michigan thing, it's a three one three thing. So I already I I, I gotta I show you, I gotta show you some love. You understand what I'm saying? I gotta show you some love. It's a it's a it's a, it's a Detroit thing. I gotta show you some love, yes, brother. I gotta yes, show you sir. some love. Um, where can people buy the book? Where can people follow you? How can they get to the Church of Harlem if they're in the New York area? Um, let them give give us a rundown on how we can uh, get in touch with you. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm privileged to be served <coughs> a servant. I that's what I am. I'm a servant student. Um, I am senior minister of the Harlem Church of Christ, 338 Lenox Avenue in New York City, New York, in, in the center of the historic village of Harlem, 127th and Lenox Avenue. Services at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. We are on uh, the YouTube channel, the Church of Christ in Harlem. Um, you can find my book, Excellence in Ministry, on my landing page excellenceinministry.org all one word and you can go there and uh, purchase the book we are also on amazon barnes and noble walmart uh you know just about everywhere you can get the book but i'd like to encourage you to go to my landing page excellenceinministry.org uh, where you can learn a little bit more about the book its contents uh you can learn a little bit more about me and i want to thank you all for blessing me to become number one bestseller and within the first 20 hours on amazon.com um and um what this excellence movement this is not about a book for me it's a movement excellence i'm trying to encourage everybody to excellence wow did you just say the first 20 seconds no, 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 no. The, first, the, the, uh, the first 24 hours after 24 hours i became uh number, number one, one? Oh, 24 the, hours in, even still dr Shabazz, come on. <laughs> In the category of, of Christian uh, history books, and I my book remained in the top 10, number one of the top 100. Wow. About three weeks. So I'm grateful to people for their support. And I pray this book serves as a blessing. And look out for book number two, where we talk about life and godliness. Absolutely. Excellence in Absolutely. We are definitely excited for that. Like doc, like I said, Dr. Javaz, we thank you for coming on the show. Um, I definitely will be checking you out definitely soon. And uh, thank you again for coming on the show, brother. We, we appreciate you. Well, thank you. Before we go, I want to commend you to your uh, listeners. I've done my due diligence. I know that you've had over 500 episodes. Wow. I know that across the many different platforms that you're looking at on the mass audience globally of about 100,000 people. Wow. And I want to say that's because Brother Hicks has something to say. He is balanced. He's not riding hobby horses. He's trying to inform and empower. And I want to encourage you to keep up your journey of excellence. Thank you so much, Dr. Shabazz. We thank you so much. Man, y'all give him a round. Give him a hand, clap of praise. Y'all give him a hand, clap of praise. That's right. That's what I love to hear. Dr. Jabez, we thank you again for coming on the show. And uh, to everybody else, listen, we appreciate y'all for watching and listening. I told y'all we're going to have a good one, and we always do. All right, make sure that, again, to follow us everywhere on all social media platforms, BMW Pod. Again, that is not the car brand. That is us, all right? BMW Pod, uh, Black Men Win Podcast on all podcast streaming platforms, and you can watch this video right now on our YouTube page, all right? I love you guys, and this has been another one. <laughs> Be good, stay easy, be breezy, and we will see y'all on the next one. Peace.